Welcome, welcome, welcome to my lovely IHP community and any new listeners. We have some channeled guidance for the 5D community. So again, the 5D community, people who are emotionally accountable, they want to learn how to love themselves easily if they have a challenge. Understanding about our attachment system is important and that we all have one. And so if you don't know what the attachment system is, you have it, I have it, and we also have, I believe it's called societal system. So the attachment theorists are a group of people that research uh, attachment categories, and that would be for the adult attachment interview, while we have another group of attachment researchers that are for the attachment styles, and that's for romantic grown-up relationships, and I forget how they're divided up in the schools or whatnot, but on that note, I am channeling guidance as a mystic, and as Sadhguru points out, mysticism is to be perceived and experienced. He says not to be understood, but some of us, 5D collective, can also understand it. And neuroscience, as well as physicists or physics and all that beautiful, in the in-between sciences community is looking into it as well. And in fact, I've watched a couple of great interviews uh, some are physics people, others philosophers and physics people, and then neuroscience people. So on that note, um, mysticism for my 5D collective, we're not anointed. The 4D uh, remains linked to ancient scripture and texts, and I talk about the world like a high school. And if you're a three-year-old whole heart, that means you have no trauma lingering, no hot spots. And you're able to love openly, spontaneously. Uh, you're not trying to get underneath someone's skin. You don't think about evil as a devil or demon. You understand as the Michael Stone scale 1 to 22, evil are all people who need a good therapist. And evil ignorance is what we want to dispel. And those would include the 4D mystics. So we don't dispel by criticizing in the sense of, oh, they shouldn't be here. No, because like the flat earthers are here. And so are the ancient silverbacks. Uh, there's most likely always going to be a diversity of ways that we subjectively experience life. We have a higher toroidal field and a lower toroidal field. So the law of energy, I don't know all of it because I'm not a quantum physicist, but they explain that there's like pluses and minuses. And I don't actually need to understand the entirety of it because it's probably a mathematical equation. I could look up at some point. But what I want to get across the picture is that the energy of consciousness, which we're all part of, and that the neuroscience, good sciences, educator community, as well as the good, and when I say good, it means they expand human consciousness and bring humanity together. So when you see people who actually are quite... Um, divisive it's not even divisive let me think it's the energy behind it you can always tell by the energy behind there is an energy called i'm passionate about how i feel and what i think and my opinion as a grown-up and when i say grown-up it means an emotionally mature person it means you have your implicit bias your culture your religion whatever it is that and this is where if you're an adult you actually don't have any of that hidden you know yourself because you have a whole self. That means you, use your name please, use your name, your human name. I'm Maria, my three-year-old self is whole. 
I've never changed. I've just expanded. It's called expanding consciousness. The people who instead didn't have a whole self for attachment wounds or trauma. And here's where the neuroscience people who study consciousness, I was watching one of them talk about dissociative identity disorder. And he talked about the alters. So now I know where 4D gets their lingo. And they do not do justice to sciences. No, they create an ancient silverback story of demons and devils and da-da-da. So I'm going to do something different because the esoteric metaphysics, they do storytelling. I do data to the best of my pseudoscience ability and woo-woo-ness because I'm a human who's like, wow, I know how DID works because I learned it from a person who's teaching me through my course that I own about how our human being brain works and how the brain, the mind, and relationships are important for you to live your best life ever. And I care about your best life, like my best life. I'm already living my best life. So because I care about your human experience, I'm not going to give you a story about the devil or evils because I don't have a trust break with my species. Unlike every other person who's rallying up behind those divisive voices who will continue to talk about hell and the devil and evil as if these planes exist on our earth here. And that these like, you know, kind of like a movie, like a ghost comes and possesses you. They believe that can be true versus understanding the data that explains to you, no, that's not true. Patrick McNamara, thank you, neuroscientist who talks to us about how there's no demonic possession. Your brain, there's a fear receptor, it acts wonky. Now, anybody who wants to stay in 4D mystic land will continue to say, no, no, it's true. The devil, the devil, the evil. Okay, go, shoo, shoo, go to your ancient storytelling time. Some of us know how to use data and understand, like grown-ups, what the sciences people explain to us. It doesn't take away from the field of intelligence, so you can go off and Continue to believe in your fairy tale in the exact way you want it to count. Little magic wand, fairy dust, and all that. We're okay with science being the magic that works. Because it doesn't take away from the experience of this infinite field of space and time and matter. Or maybe it's not. It's beyond it. As this neuroscientist was saying, he says, consciousness is not space, time, and matter. And he begins to philosophize, essentially, which is why I'm like, okay... Your sciences with a philosophy, even though, and actually he is, I believe, a philosopher. I forget what his title is. Long story short, the sciences people like Patrick McNamara and anyone else that I've seen within another interview, they can give you the data. When you get a philosopher, you're going to begin to get the lingo of like, you know, uh, I know what it's like. How, how can I explain it? Basically, it's not going to help you to conceptualize. So. I want to help you conceptualize. And I understand that a human brain at the very least needs to have that left mode of yours needs to have something to grasp on. So otherwise, I'm just going to give you a tail again. So on that note, let's do this. Consciousness is a sphere and a field of intelligence. It doesn't need to be allocated to the word God because that has its place in time. It doesn't have to be allocated to the word source or necessarily Akash, although I do Akashic record readings. And so out of respect for this air, this, this um, word, and really it's a library. Uh, and again, to allocate words that we can organize material, I will use Akash into, uh, as we always do, but I'm saying the field of consciousness, Akash, this word that really we don't need a word. It's, it's an intelligence. It's an energy. So if you can allow yourself to use dark matter and dark energy without taking away from this intelligence and to remember that that 
And here's where that other interview, the hard question of consciousness or something like that, it's basically like the whole human meaning and, and life. And it's basic, people. Common sense. Come on. So attachment. Let me go back to attachment. We all have the zero one-year-old who will have come into life once you're out of that womb and all of a sudden you find yourself from being cozy and warm and when oneness to being freezing and cold and whatever and everybody reacts differently. Now, before I forget, the aliels or whatever, the altars of the DID, this guy that's philosophizing, and I don't know what he does exactly, but he doesn't have Daniel Siegel in his back pocket because otherwise he would have talked differently about DID. And he would have talked about the brain circuits of emotions such as anger, sadness, fear. And he would have also known about those infants who grow up in an attachment traumatizing environment. And he did understand the brain protects the person, but he didn't elaborate on why the alters can live like a hellhole and, and, and fight each other. Well, I can explain that because if you didn't get to process all of those basic emotions, like Gabor Matei says, an infant needs loving acceptance, not to work for love and to express all of the basic emotions that we have as a species because our emotions served and still serve our survival. When instead you're suppressed, which if you're screaming and crying or yelling and you get yelled at, you're being suppressed. And I have a perfect story for that one. You all know it. When I got to experience pure fear, and then I had the demo with my lovely Dr. Albert Wong. He's my one uh, trauma basic course professor with his equipe on Somatopia. And I have two courses with him. One I finished, one I need to finish. But then I also had the honor of having him in my Awakened Embodied Certificate course for one of the modules that we were doing classes. And I allowed myself to be for a demo where we basically acted out, not acted out, um, it was dream work. We worked through a dream. And I picked the most stupidest dream because I have, as a mystic, a bunch of dreams. <coughs> Excuse me one second. Apologies. As you can tell, I still have my flu voice here. So I worked through one of the stupidest dreams, and lo and behold, something came up in this stupidest dream, which was the, the trauma memory, and it was a regard with fear. And, and I recognized it because I had already had a lot of other courses prior to that one on trauma and charges and what it meant, and da da da, da. but I don't have fragmentation, me, Maria, because I have secure attachment. I got a third attunement. My nervous system is, is cool with emotions. So I, in fact, as I was walking through this demo, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, now, I, like, I was figuring things out. I was having aha moments. And the aha moment that came immediately was when Dr. Albert Wong says, so, because my body and my dream wasn't listening to me. So he says, were you angry at your body? And I inside, I was like, no, what the fuck? No, why would I be angry at myself? That, has not, that, that makes no sense. And I had an image, though, of, of my mother, who's my caregiver, who's always looked to strengthen me because I'm very sensitive. And so her way of strengthening me is very specific. And that's the moment that the little light bulb went off because to strengthen somebody who's sensitive, you're going to push the opposite way. And that suppresses the ability for me as I'm growing up to process that emotion 
in a, um, what's the word? I'm going to just say, since our states of selves and our charges, um, like Daniel Siegel says, they're verbs. And in fact, that's why some of us know expanding consciousness, which is we don't change, we're just ourselves and a more mature version of ourselves. Okay, so long story short, my aha little little light bulb came on because of knowing the description of when you have trauma memory lingering inside your body, not, not your brain anymore, not your body. And the description, Basil van der Kolk, Ruth Lanius, and a bunch of other people, Janina Fisher, Julianne, anyone and everyone that I've heard says self-loathing, self-disgust, and that this thing is like tearing apart inside your heart. You feel like glass, like shards of glass, and you're just being ripped apart. And I had a little tiny, tiny sliver of this little pokety poke glass at my heart because I could feel it. And I was like, okay, wait a minute, this makes a lot of sense. Why my uh, fear, fear circuit is this way because I had somebody who pushed me in the opposite direction to support me. But this means that I never got to process my fear as a person in the gradual way of being able to allow it to just unfold. It was suppressed. So when you suppress an emotion... That's where I'm trying to help those of you who are understanding me right now and following the fact that if you don't, like Gabor Mate says, those basic emotions, if they're suppressed, this is going to create disruption. You're not going to have a clear compass in yourself because you're going to have implicit memory come up and shit come up that you don't understand and that is overwhelming and I'm a, I'm, I'm a lucky one. Okay, I didn't have attachment traumatization. So I'm trying to help you all understand this, where I've understood it from all of these courses and all of these people. And so when this dude is talking about the altars of DID, I also know what he's talking about because Daniel Siegel in the course with DID and disorganized attachment with the lady who's healed, it took seven years before her altars basically could meet up. And it was based on her own volition, meaning he didn't impose anything as a good therapist he knew how to work with her because he had no but he doesn't have hot buttons and he wasn't judging the altars and he wasn't doing anything but he also knows about the brain structure and the emotional circuits and the importance of those memory barriers and consciousness barriers and they're protecting the person the individual whose window of tolerance has no way to be able and to capacitate this emotion because they need it needs to be gradual otherwise it's too much like a, like a like a wire that you want to put so much electricity on and it's going to blow, the fuse blows. Okay, so long story short, not to talk the entire time about this, but this is just one example that a person who cares about understanding why people do what they do with good information of the attachment system and of our brain's circuits and of all of what it means to be an infant growing up. And when they say that, Trauma is important to note that if you're not healed, you're not yourself. Because yourself can only be accessed when you have those child parts in the hand of yours and you're the adult in the present. So when your implicit memory comes up, you can handle it. From your right mode, it comes up, people. And the left mode is your chit-chatter. Okay, so I will say enough about the psych education. And if you have questions, reach out, ask me. Remember, I'm woo-woo, pseudo science lady, but I have education in my back pocket. What I've presented to you is a way that I have been able to connect the dots to why, emotionally speaking, P 
people who are, one, uh, in the whole 4D, 3D land, they're going to potentially stay there because they have a shame cycle going on. And if they have, whether it's DID or borderline or any of it, and they don't want to go to good therapy, and if they don't find a good therapist that sees them as a whole, like Daniel Siegel and others who like that, that's why he has a course. That's why he also says you can't have hot spots. If you still have hot spots, you can't be the therapist for the DID person because you're not going to have enough room when they're switching to their altars to be neutral inside of you as a Zen master, FYI. So 5D mystics and 5D functional adults, the somatic empath person. The actual human being, who knows, nobody is a piece of shit or an evil devil, evil, whatever, can evil, medieval, which let's get into that. So when I see 4D mystics talking to me about love, I need to nod my head and let it go, which I do very easily because as a teenager, I realize teenagers, what they do, they speak out of their mouth, which is really out of their ass. And they're inconsistent. They don't show up fully or completely because they are emotionally immature. They don't admit it. They don't take their fear and handle it. They don't take their anger and handle it. They don't take those basic emotions and handle it. No, they project it. And it's called shame, blame, fault, and revenge. And so that's why, to me personally, any person who's ever done anything, quote unquote, mean, is not a person in my book that knows how to show up fully and completely as their self. And they're not being their self. They're being a version of themselves that has no idea what their childhood was like, what their teenager, once they became a teenager, they didn't take conscious ownership of anything. They go rigid and chaotic. So I'm not talking to a person because they're in their biological rudeness, maladaptive, safety behavior response, which I am not going to lift a finger and do anything about it because it's their life, not mine. So they can go heal their trauma with a good therapist. If they want a friend, a relay, they can talk to me and I will talk to them. And then we can handle emotionally, maturely, direct communication. And so, long story short, this is where we're going to move into our channel guidance. That's why we don't need to forgive anyone. Nobody needs to forgive us. We're all people. And if you want to believe in a story, there's plenty of mystics out there that will give you one, as well as scientists, people who are using ancient texts to taint all of their sciences findings. With that being said, we move into, for a minute, uh, talking about relationships polyamory, monoamory, and where one, loving more than one person, for those who embody polyamory, it is because love is our nature, but also because when you are a securely attached person with your own ability to be safe haven, secure base, you know how to self-regulate your nervous system, you know how to tend to those interests, personal development, you're an independent person. So loving many, in my case, for example, when I talk about it, it's because I don't actually say yes to someone without knowing what I'm saying yes to. And, and so the reason why relationships don't necessarily continue to grow, it's because obviously when there's a uh, disconnect on what your interests are, on how to lead the relationship, right? This is normal. But we, the ones of us who don't know separation, we don't cease to love those people. And so there are people in my book that I love more than just friends. So polyamory, in my case, is I love more than just one person. And while monoamory individuals, when they hear this, they think that that means you don't love anyone. That's because they have an idea of love that's connected to their primal attachment. So the primal panic is what I wanted to talk about for a minute. Because that makes sense that a person who doesn't have their zero one-year-old in the forefront, so they don't realize that their mammalian heritage, like mine, 
has this uh, 01 attached panicky. I didn't know about it, but I didn't have to do anything about it anyways, because in any instance where for me emotions arise, again, when you're your own whole three-year-old heart and you're an expanding piece of consciousness, so you regulate your nervous system, you know how to handle your emotions as they arise from the right mode of your brain with the left mode, that's all, you're able to comfort yourself. You self-regulate the nervous system, you are emotionally mature. This is what it means. Emotionally accountable, emotionally mature. I was a teenager with my teenage boyfriend. You all know the stories. So this is where I never insulted the person. I shared with you a story the other day, I think. And I always had conversations. And to this day, he hasn't lost you know, his value. I mean, of course, we can use words, disappointment, coward, all of these things in time. That's something that happens. But If you ask me within my own beingness, do I think back and think, oh my gosh, how shitty people? No, I learned that people are emotionally either mature or immature. If they are immature, they can't show up for themselves. So they can't show up for other people. As I said, I treat the world like a high school. And so when people are inconsistent, automatically they're unreliable. That's it. They're like the teenagers that I met. In fact, I had at a certain point in my life thought I met something different and meaning that I met an emotionally mature person which in my mind though I didn't realize just how many teenagers we have out there today instead I do know that so on that note I'm no longer looking to see who is a grown-up or not because it will always be clear a grown-up will be fun to be around all the time not just sometimes A grown-up will be able to always respect another human being and never talk down or talk up to them. And I see people on podiums that are not grown-ups in this way, by the way. So I have a lot of words that I could say about a lot of people, not just in my life, all over the world. So like I said, teenager land. That's what I see out there. When I see grown-up land, it's the smart people. And those are the only people that I actually want to mingle and tingle with because I know that with them, it's going to be a, cons- a consistent joyride because they won't come in and out. They won't project their insecurities. They won't have the petty behavior and other things that... So how can I break this down? Like I said, again, when people say, so you're disappointed. No, I, I can't use that word. I cannot. Me, Maria, at 43, thank you, trauma and attachment experts, because they are my actual ability to speak the truth of my heart like Bezel van der Kolk in fact he unlocked it Jesus is my lead when it comes to anything related to religion spirituality holy spirit I mean yes I got said guru but that's for yoga and other stuff not for the other uh, heart of the matter but long story short my resources right so we all have them and I will say what was missing as I was awakening with my clairs and all of this beautiful space and in between the relationship with consciousness was the wisdom of the attachment and trauma, which luckily for me, I was able to get a handle on because 4D, they're evil assholes. They're evil teenagers is what I'm going to call them to see evil is in need of good therapy. They all have low self-esteem. You know how annoying it is to meet people who don't know their own self-worth because see, this is the point. I'm not trying to compete with you. I don't give a shit who you are. I'm just trying to have a good time in life and you're making it a pain in my ass to speak about anything interesting because you don't know who the fuck you are and I'm not going to baby you about it. That's how I feel about humanity. 
when I think of it. So the people who let me be compassionate, it's called Basil Vanderkolk, Stephen Porches, Janina Fisher, Daniel Siegel. Every single one of these lovely attachment and trauma researchers have given me the ability to get Shiva into the room with Kali and to then be able to make a conversation. So yeah, when I look out, no, I'm not disappointed. There's a lot of people with trauma that can get a good therapist. I'm not their therapist. I don't want to be their therapist. Oh, I'm not going to be your guru either. No, no. I'm going to let you know how easy it is to be an actual smart human being. That, that's what I'm going to do. And how easy it is to be yourself if you really want to. That, that's my agenda. You can be yourself. Yeah. Let's see how emotionally mature can you get? So the, the challenge is your whole three-year-old heart. So if you're not ready to forgive, you shouldn't be tuning into IHP content. Because if you're not ready to forgive yourself, the entire world, and all that is about unresolved trauma, and you want to go talking shit about humanity, you have landed on the wrong podcast platform. And 5D land is not for you. Go to your 4D people. Go to your ancient silverbacks. Go and get your emotionally immature little strings pulled and continue thinking about with great power comes great responsibility while the grown-ups laugh inside, like myself, which is because, <laughs> yeah, let's just say there's something laughable when people think they're smart and yet they're emotionally manipulable because they don't even know that their three-year-old is not leading the show at all. Okay, so on that note, here's what a 5D mystic can share with you. There ain't no big bad wolf out there. Nope, there's a lot of cocky little teenagers who don't know how to handle themselves. And so they're stupid, yes, but they're dangerous, mm, depends. Let's see to get the 5D collective together so that we can run a better show because the adults are actually smart. And that's why we will in my personal opinion, in fact, be able to continue our evolution. As I was saying, the individuals who are teenagers, they already have their little leaders and they're going to go and build picketed fences and get into groups and use their time that way. And that's fun for them. So love is infinite, but time and resources are not. And the smart people don't use their time with people who are not able to consistently show up. We use our time with those who are consistently showing up and they also consistently know how to speak like a grown-up and then we get together and try to see can we do anything to get more of us together. Okay, polyamory, monoamory. I firmly believe that monoamory will stick around because most people do not look to their zero one-year-old when they get into a moment of inner freaking out. But really what it is, is if you've got a bunch of teenagers out there looking at who's got the biggest dick and whatnot, you know, and princesses and kings and queens with superhero capes and looking to be the own hero in their own movie. I mean, you know, it's going to be a lot of relationship and societal soul age people around. So it's not better or not. That's, this is a part. Let's organize. If you're an emotionally mature human being, that means that you unconsciously love yourself, humanity, it's easy, you're forgiving because you know nobody needs to be forgiven, you don't need forgiveness, da-da-da-da, cool, there's a lot of people out there that are great educators, again, you just need to find them, and then you're going to meet people at the same time as you move into life. If you are not a person who agrees with any of this, that's great too, uh, just know that you probably are going to look to have a clan that meets uh, your way of thinking and your way of feeling. Because that's what people who are not fully independent want. They want to be with the crowd that simply agrees with them and feels like them. So, okay. 
the part about monoamory, it's just because people are looking for the one and they don't stop until they find the one, which I'm happy that people can find the one. In fact, I've always wished it for all the people that I notice out there like, oh, I'm not lovable, I'm not lovable. I like, okay, fine. Please give them somebody so they can feel lovable. Okay, so consensual non-monogamy can activate the attachment system into primal panic. I want to read this for a minute. From the perspective of, of attachment theory, we need to be connected to people to survive. So our nervous system equates emotional connection with safety and emotional disconnection with danger or threat. Attachment-related threats include the potential loss of our attachment figure, separation from our attachment figure, or loss of access to them for periods of time longer than we are used to. These threats don't have to be actual to activate the attachment system. Even theoretical or symbolic threats can initiate attachment distress in what is called primal panic. As Sue Johnson states, separation distress arises when an attachment bond is threatened or a secure connection is lost. There are other kinds of emotional bonds based on shared activities or respect, and when they are broken, a person may be distressed. But that distress does not have the same intensity or significance as when an attachment bond is called into question. Emotional and physical isolation from attachment figures is inherently traumatizing for human beings, beginning with it as a heightened sense, not simply of vulnerability and danger, but also helplessness. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit more. This is from Polysecure. It's page 143, 144 by Jessica Fern. And she says, many of my clients report highly anxious and off their emotional axis for hours, sometimes even days before their partner goes on a date with someone else. Others seriously spiral out while the date is happening. Cognitively, they know that their partner is still alive, not abandoning them or doing anything wrong, but their body and emotions are in primal panic. In such cases, jealousy is not a sufficient or accurate description of what is happening for the partner in distress. When primal attachment panic gets mislabeled as jealousy, the partner experiencing it can be left thinking that there is something wrong with them, that this is their issue to figure out on their own and that they should... Be better at doing consensual non-monogamy, CNM. They might use self-destructive behaviors such as using distractions or substances in an attempt to feel better, but the root of the problem is left unaddressed. This can also escalate into panic attacks, meltdowns, or an emotional crisis that can pit partners against each other or become extremely difficult for everyone involved to manage. However, when people are able to identify this experience as a panic understand how it is rooted in their attachment needs, learn how to better self-soothe and address these attachment needs with their partner, a new path forward opens up. There can be a mismatch of attachment expectations. Okay, so on that note, Jessica Fern is in favor of distributing polyamory, meaning she made a statement in one of the chapters where she's like, oh, polyamory would be better because people could become more securely attached. I personally have a different opinion, which is we shouldn't be telling people whether they should be polyamory or monoamory. It's something that is not necessary. We should just explain, and that's why I read this to you, explain something of what is important. So to know your attachment system has primal panic. Now I want to also read to you lovely Peter Levine. It's important that a person in trauma be able to get a sense that something has a beginning, middle, and end, that there is an end. This is where it's, he's talking about the sensations that arise. That's why trauma therapy is important for people, or at least understanding that implicit memory is what they have. And let me, in fact, include our lovely Pat Ogden, because I have a course 
no, I watched a video, excuse me, a video uh, from NICBM, and she expresses something. And I'll read to you what Pat Ogden is in a minute. Uh, she's obviously a therapist, but she does sensory motor, so she works with the body and movement. And she says sometimes, not sometimes, working to help a person to get out of a safety behavior response, like please appease, you accentuate the defense mechanism response. And that's, uh, you exaggerate the primary uh, indicator of their, for example, please appease, and that way they can pinpoint the implicit memory so there's a, a way that you'll be like oh this is I'm doing this because this is how I feel this is what I would want from you and that helps a person understand the implicit from that age from whatever it is they don't need to pinpoint all of that it's just that there's the ability to make sense of sensations that arise and of that very physical attribute that is done so in this case they were talking about a fake smile or an always smile it wasn't a fake smile it was an always smile for a please appeaser. That is one of Pat Ogden's clients. So here's where, as she says, these physicalizing experiments bring up what um, is, is beneath the surface. It's not about the content. It's actually about the person and how they organize around a particular issue or person. Because usually it's, again, a defense mechanism that's going to happen. The smile is, I want to be loved and accepted by you for the please appeaser, okay? So she says, when we are doing these experiments, it's not about the content, it's about how a person organizes around a particular issue and we're getting under the content into implicit phenomenon that drives the content and so we're changing patterns of organization through that, which is at the root of healing and change. And therefore, healing what? Healing the trauma the implicit memory, the charges. And here's Pat Ogden for you. She's the author of Trauma and the Body, a sensory motor approach to psychotherapy. I haven't bought the book yet. But when we learn about this and how a person needs a sense of safety, there's another therapist, I forget what her name is, but she says people will always seek to be uh, secure and safe and forget the exact way she she terms it, but we move again to secure attachment. We're also, FYI, alloparenting. So to bring a long story short, personally, I, Maria, am a securely attached human being who has a whole three-year-old heart. Let's read Sadhguru for a minute. Human potential has no limit. It can go as far as you have the desire or courage to walk. Unleashing human potential is not about reaching the peak. It is a trajectory. Well, I mean, uh, unleashing just as long as you're aspiring to be more emotionally mature, mentally mature, physically, you can just bask in the glory of being a person who's using your brain, your mind, and your relationships and yourself to enjoy life, which is very beautiful. To achieve quality of life, you need integration of the brain, left and right mode of your brain, and you working with them. To have that, you need to understand that what comes up from your body is not demonic if it makes you feel yucky or whatever it is. And that there is compulsive behavior for shame cycles, which are for people who have unresolved trauma, attachment wounds, and it's not a devil or a demon. The drugs, the alcohol, the fucking, all of that. But there are people who are educators who are promoting, for example, aspects that keep people in pseudo-aliveness, uh, in their survival mode, and hypervigilance, which is definitely not something we're going to talk about right now. What I'm going to try and talk about is polyamory or monoamory, 
is about love. Our nature is love. But before you can love, you need to know how to easily love yourself as you are. And that's number one. And if you don't know that you have a zero one-year-old that seeks to attach to another human being safely, and that it's not just one, that technically there's alloparenting within every one of our blood, if you will, I'm just going to use that one, okay, the attachment system of yours and the societal system, you are at a disadvantage. So here's the advantage that I share with all of you tuning in here today. You have a zero one-year-old that is like mine, and any other person on the face of this planet wanting to have secure, at the very least, connections, a sense of stability, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And here's where, for me, it's always been clear, the human condition. It's not a dilemma, though, for me, Maria, because darkness, Shiva, is not a problem. It's an actual truth. We don't have one truth. This is also why hard consciousness dilemma, not a problem for my, Maria, mind and brain to conceptualize because... I personally don't lie to myself when it comes to fear and when it comes to being upset at the unknown, the unexpected, the unwanted. I always say, well, hello, why would you think that I would be okay with walking into a fucking dark room? Do you think I'm a stupid idiot? Okay, now this is the part where I'm just going to leave it to the basics where as a teenager, once I got out of the uh, illusion that your people will have your back, but I didn't get into a trust break like all these other people out there. So the ones are like, oh, you can take your gloves off. <laughs> I laugh at that every time because here's what a person who has common sense in their brain and understands the unknown without any fear of it because it's something you'll always be hoping you're prepared for, quote unquote, to stay alive because you enjoy life. When you have a whole three-year-old heart, you're just wanting to live life. That's it. There is no agenda except for I want to enjoy my alloparenting peeps. That's it. I don't have an agenda except to live a life that's basically simple. So love is that. Accepting uh, people for who they are. Nobody needs to work for love. And we all have emotions. Thank you, Gabor Matei. Okay. The, the last bit of the story. And then we can continue with some channel guidance. Uh, the 99.9999%, I, in my brain, was like, okay, you will always only be able to be 99.9999% sure about anything. So you have a choice to make, uh, opening up to infinite possibilities and just leaving everything else alone, or you live a half of a life because you're going to be looking at your back all the time. Uh, also, no one can be around you 24-7. So this idea, when people would begin, uh, and this was by, by my 20s, when they would say, I'll always be there for you, <laughs> don't lie to me. Eventually, I just stopped saying that to people because, oh, no, no, it's true. Yeah, okay, bullshit. But fine, go for it. So uh, like my one boyfriend who would give me flowers every day, and I said, don't give me flowers every day. You're not going to give me flowers every day. And he would say, yes, I will. I said, no, you won't. And uh, yes, yes. And, you know, as a grown up, emotionally mature, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, he's not giving me flowers anymore. He doesn't love me. <laughs> I laughed inside because I knew that that would happen. And he didn't have the ability to be objective with himself. So when you meet a person who's a grown up emotionally, which I was also as a teenager, it's just called healthy self-worth people. And that's why, as I was saying, polyamory is not for everyone, because if you don't have secure attachment, 
you're actually putting yourself under stress unnecessarily, which is why I personally, again, don't agree with how Jessica Fern poses it, just because she's polyamorous. Of course, she's going to say, I think everybody should be it, because that's her cup of tea. I personally have seen people not know how to handle basically anything, anything about themselves and to crumble in the face of so much and to not lead a good life. And I'm only 43 and I feel bad for these people because they could be so much better with their emotional inner world. Seriously, not because they have to move anywhere, just because they don't know how to admit I'm afraid, I'm angry, I'm whatever, and have an objective way of looking at those emotions. Now we have attachment theory and people out there with trauma and all these other fancy, you know, there's all, all this stuff. And I still see people as teenagers acting like the jocks and the idiots that I saw teenagers be. So to me, anyone who denies their fear emotion is just an, another moron who's trying to be strong. Ugh. So here's where I'm going to use... <coughs> excuse me I just uh, I can't help it I can see beyond the teenagers all the time I just uh, thought people would grow up but there's this uh, guy who who uh, people look up to I, I personally don't but um you know it is what it is you forgave someone who wasn't even sorry that is strength and this one actually is a person it's I don't know who they are, but um, the person who shares this is another person, okay? So I want to quote who, who does this. The quote is by at Curvy Lady Probs on Twitter. So it's not about this quote per se, but it's that's strength. This idea of having to give yourself, oh, I'm strong because I forgave you. Mm, okay, now I'm going to say that's not unconditional. I'm also going to say it's not in the absence of um, needing to prove to yourself. I'm going to say the ego self of you is being your own cheerleader, which means you haven't reparented yourself fully yet, which means you're not an independent mentally, emotionally, and physically person because you're still needing to use quotes with yourself that equal I have strength in me with the fact that you forgave someone, which to me is bullshit because forgiveness isn't about you proving it if you actually feel it so when you feel that's why when you feel unconditional love for humanity not everybody is ready for this patrick tiahan perfect person to use as he's a childhood trauma survivor he's healed and the therapist and i always say healing he always says in a bunch of his quotes why do they tell us we have to forgive we're not we don't have to forgive we're on a healing journey and that's fair and square for people who are on a healing journey because they're still looking to become their full inner adult. Some of us, we are inner adults. That's because we have secure attachment. We're our own safe haven, secure base. And so we don't need to say people need to do it our way or their way. And it doesn't matter how you say it. Like So Jessica Fern, she's elaborating in a book she wrote. So she, she's just sharing her idea of why polyamory would achieve secure attachment. I beg to differ because uh, people don't actually have the capacity to handle their panic primal mode very well. And even if you try to explain, so anyways, you know, that's enough about that. But the part that I would think she would understand is that her colleagues support 
monoamory because it's going to help a person to stabilize. And before a person can even love, again, anyone for real, they have to stabilize a sense of self. And when they end up in a good relationship with the one, though, they end up having a sense of self that is strong with another person. And there's nothing wrong, in my personal opinion, about that. Meaning that as long as a person can lead a happy life, that's actually what you want. Which is why, like when Sadhguru says, we're not here to affect states of consciousness. The difference is, Sadhguru talks about it like, um, you know, there's an entity because he's a spirituality guru. I just say, at the end of the day, most people don't know themselves because they don't know about their zero, one-year-old, three-year-old. They haven't taken a look at their emotions. They're not trying to work with their emotional self and uh, so they're not objective about life and that's why we have a lot of teenagers that say and speak words but then they don't show up fully completely they don't know their own compass they need cheering on they need to know am i going to have my gloves on or off here's my people da, 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 da. so when you find though your people that's great because you can build a nice family and so that's why whether it's monoamory or polyamory you find the one you find your group and the most important part about being yourself and being able to have self-love is that you're with people who let you do that. So you want people who talk to you, not shame you, not blame you, not fault you, not revenge you. People who are in trauma bonds and they continue to live codependent, I'm not talking and channeling for those people. Those people are all going to make up some story of why they are actually leading a good life. The spiritual bypassers have a way of actually... Um, What's the word? Whenever I've done channeled guidance or Akashic Record readings or tarot readings for people who are in spiritual bypass or they are basically codependent types, they have a way of literally, no, they, they actually transform the entire reading to fit their story because that's how your life works. It's your subjective experience. And that's why I personally have always shared with people, I don't do anything except for support a person. I don't plant a fucking seed because you already got your own seeds. Uh, your mind, your brain, not mine. You're interpreting my words by the minute if you're not a person who's an inner adult. And I will not need to do anything about it because I'll know because you'll repeat something to me in a different way than what I said it to you. But furthermore, it's not even that. It's you're going to walk out that door and you're going to do the complete opposite of what was shared with you in guidance. And I'll use the example because see, it's happened more than once where I've given the guidance of, okay, you're done with this connection. You're meant to be in your own journey. You're meant to do unconditional love, and none of them did it. No, no, no. They actually continued to build with the very same uh, person or group. And, and, and then years down the line, they found themselves uh, with those tower moments that are not beautiful. And some continue with their own uh, trauma bonding experiences. So, like I said, you can only uh, share support with people, but if a person doesn't see their inner child leading their way, it's because they're not actually smart enough to notice what quality of life equates with their self-love in the forefront. So they don't love themselves. They love the idea of what they're trying, no, that's not even it. They're distorted in an inner child that has a magical wand, that has not a whole sense of self yet, that is not 
anywhere closer to being their inner adult. It's a teenager who's protecting that inner child because they're not ready to see the zero, one-year-old, the three-year-old, and all of that. And this isn't something of a contest because, again, the implicit memory and all of that that comes up is overwhelming for the nervous system. So a person's body and their own brain will protect them from what they're not ready to see. Now, some people, the ones who are teenagers, and I've seen these in my courses, they think that uh, they can make a difference. The wise professors, as always, and anybody who's wise, Sadhguru included, we're not here to affect states of consciousness. The neuroscience and trauma experts, they will say it differently. That will be a person, their body will lead them to what they're ready for. And if they're not ready to get out of this regulated or modulated, they won't be for reasons that are going to be very clear to a person who has a therapeutic knowledge in their back pocket like I do too now with attachment and trauma again so I know that a person's body can sustain only so much and if they armor in that shame cycle well they need to either find a good therapist but they need to want to go to good therapy if they don't then they're going to lead their lower toroidal field life that's not a devil or a demon and I see the 4D talking about the luciferian this is where I wanted to also close out with this. So I've noticed that the group of 4D who are in esoteric and storylines of that nature, they are talking about the future with the idea of there being two options or maybe just basically one, which is that um, what's going to come is the time of, wait for it, here it is, Luciferian religion. So, or just Luciferian, which is Lucifer. And I have another individual who talked to me about it. In fact, the reason they talked to me about it, though, is because they're part of a group of spiritual agnostics or something like that. So that's another story, by the way. And that's completely distorting what is the message that I'm trying to, by the way, share, which is people who navigate the lower tortoise field have trauma memories so deep when the scientists explain it, the armor is because they can't handle the emotional overwhelm. So they have to be aware, I'm not leading quality of life, I want to go to good therapy. And that's where it's only once they hit maybe rock bottom, it's not for us to judge. That's why we have laws in place to protect us from each other and da 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 da. But it has nothing to do with a demon devil Lucifer when you understand the neuroscience neurobiology of your human being, fucking nervous system and body. This is what I'm trying to get to. So while consciousness can be elaborated on with the neuroscience, physics, and quality people, the 4D and esotericism and any story that wants to use religious lingo, spiritual lingo, and they're using it that way, put Sadhguru to the side because he doesn't do that. He talks to you about, he's a very great spirituality guru, and he tries to help you understand that the stories are in a way to explain two things. So that he's spirituality, that's, again, his role. But he doesn't give you believe in, you know, evil devil. No, he actually tries to get you other places. The only people who are continuing with the Lucifer story are the very same people who taint texts and their ancient silverbacks. And so, long story short, are two groups. It's not two groups in a way of it being a battle. No, we got groups of people who are using ancient stories in ways that actually don't create oneness. Then we got another group who's saying, okay, huh, we're all one big ball of energy, so let's get it together. Uh, and on that note, trauma memory, implicit memory, 
a person who's armored in, they're not a devil, they're not a demon, they're an individual who could use a good therapist is what I'm trying to get to, which is why evil, it's not a devil, people who could use a good therapist. That doesn't mean they're going to want one, and we have our laws and systems in place to take measures into their own hands, and then hopefully in prison they're going to get good therapy, and they're going to be forced good therapy. And I don't, right here, I don't give a shit if people don't believe in neurobiology of attachment, whatever it is, because those are the ancient people who are evil, ignorant people saying, yoga gets the demon out of your body, and here, don't do spirituality, it's a cult. Yeah, anyone who's using that word is a person who has had low self-esteem. They didn't get out of it because otherwise they would have realized, oh, I fell for a little magic wand. No, they didn't realize it. So now they're saying spirituality is a cult. Yoga is a cult. Demons, tarot, and whatever it is, that's where. Leave it alone, people, because let them go with their little ancient silverbacks. They have nothing useful to share with you. And actually, when you see hypocrisy, because that's the point, they're not healed. So when we see that, we leave it alone. They can go and have fun with their people on what they're disseminating. It's like teenagers with rumors. A grown-up, an emotionally mature person will know what a rumor is. A common-sense person will know about, I'm not going to fall for conspiracy theories or religious theories or any of this stuff that people are doing out there and making, sensationalizing, no, I'm going to stay grounded in reality. So 5D mystics, functional adults, and people who are actually wanting to bring humanity together, we say, okay, the stories are breadcrumbs, let's stick to the data, people, and let's work with what is of importance, our environment, politicians, the world, the globe, all that good stuff, and relationships, minus the drama, because relationships are the foundation of how to support each other to move beyond trauma. Trauma is relational, intimacy is the core. People who want to heal trauma, they want to become securely attached and they will want to have grown up, emotionally mature friends and people in their life. And that's where the 5D mystics, the enlightenment soul age group, functional adults, again, polyamory, monoamory, don't matter where people respect each other, love each other, because we don't have these low self-esteem ways of behaving with each other like teenagers do. And so on that note, again, we show up fully and completely. As we move forward throughout the years, we'll find that it will improve the way that we get to talk about all of these topics and come together. And I see that there's a lot of great educators in uh, the midst of where they need to be. So in an effort to support anyone who's tuning in, who's new, not to worry. I know that some people, they're like, ah, well, we could go either way. They're always in that in-between because the truth is none of us know the future. But if we are in the present as our inner adults with emotional maturity and we build relationships and we try to work together to allow the healing of trauma for those who want to heal again and the ones who want to aspire to their higher potential and to just self-love. We, at least as a group with our own clans, come together as all. So you don't say no to people who are different than you politically, religiously, da-da-da-da-da. And we don't go and attack the ones who are teenagers either. We understand that they will have their groups and And so what we want to look to is that we have actual smart leaders. We want to have people who bring us together, bring the globe together in a way that is sustainable, environmentally, economically, and all that. And But the truth is it's already on the way. 
I don't know enough like anybody else. Uh, and I personally don't trust any of the mass media that tries to create fear. Uh, in fact, the good educators will share with us always. Like I saw Sabine, she was sharing something about, don't worry, there won't be this greenhouse effect that's going to burn people alive because I don't know who it is that spread that rumor. So when you see anything that creates fear, just consider it exaggerated and just keep doing you know research to figure out the good educators are very much uh they're in colleges universities they're in research labs they're 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 not going to be sensationalizing or separating so just uh again keep it organized obviously not one truth let's stay focused together and we'll be back again with more in the meantime i send you my love